صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, NASA. Good morning, listeners. Good morning, everybody. How are you? How are you, NASA? Yeah, Rob, I'm pretty good. I'm still on a high from our, our webinar, in fact, on Monday. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, Rob, we've got to talk to our listeners about a couple of things that happened during the week just very quickly. Firstly, the United Nations had a vote on the right of Palestinian people to self-determination. Mm-hmm. And this is an annual thing, the right of the Palestinian people to self-determination. Commission on Human Rights and Human Rights Council affirm and define the inalienable right of the Palestinian people, particularly to their right to self-determination. So what does this mean? What does this mean as a Palestinian? This means that we have a right to our own country. And the United Nations Human Rights Council votes on it every year and every year it gets passed. Uh, It's ridiculous that they actually, there is a a UN body having to vote for this, isn't it? In this day and age, it shouldn't be something that should have to be voted for. Well, we should already be a a country. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's that's, that's what I mean. 47 members. We had 43 people say, yes, the Palestinians should have a country, normal countries, Denmark, Germany, Italy, Japan, Netherlands, Poland, Spain, you know, as well as, you know, a whole bunch of South America and, and the rest of Asia, Austria, Armenia, Argentina, Peru, Pakistan, Mexico, Mexico, Chile, the Czech Republic. A couple of abstentions. Not sure why Cameroon and Democratic Republic of Congo, maybe they were out getting a cup of coffee. Australia is on the UNHCR. And Australia decided to vote no, the Palestinians don't have a right to self-determination, which was uh, pretty funky of Australia to be on, on such a shit list. But they were joined. They were joined by the Marshall Islands, which has a population of 60,000 people, just a little bit less than Dandenong. <laughs> it's true. Yep. So this, this might be a silly question, but for Australia to vote no, who are the, who is the, who are the people voting? For Australia votes, so that's the Prime Minister tells the Foreign Minister who tells our ambassador to the United Nations, this is our position. Okay, well, that was always going to be the position with those people, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. We need, to, we need to come back to the Marshall Islands. Not only is there 60,000 people, it's 181 square kilometres, so it's half the size of Gaza, which is 365 square kilometres. The Marshall Islands are half the size of Gaza. There's 60,000 people there that have got more right to a vote internationally than the 2 million Gazans who are coming into their 15th year as defined by the United Nations in place uninhabitable in siege and lockdown. Come on, the world. Thank you very much. That's a disgrace. So who, who else said no? No, just, just, just the Marshall Islands and Australia. What, what about America? Oh, no, they're not on the... Uh, oh, they, they left. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Well, good on Australia. Proud to be an Aussie. Yeah. Come on, Australia. Come on, Aussie. Come on. Finally, an Israeli soldier has been um, been held to account in the Israeli courts for killing a Palestinian. In 2018, an Israeli sniper soldier shot Nawaf Al-Atar, who was 23 years old, 
Palestinian fisherman. He was in Gazan water. He was in his own boat, nowhere near anything, doing nothing wrong other than trying to provide for his family. So the Israeli was in no way, shape or form in danger at all? Zero danger. Zero. Uh, the Israeli soldier shot him and killed him. The army investigated. It took him two years to investigate uh, this. And then they decided that he, they concluded he fired without authorization. He was then taken to court. They reached a plea bargain and the soldier pleaded guilty to charges of negligence and reckless endangerment. Uh, he was demoted to the rank of private and uh, he received a suspended sentence and 45 days of community service. So the 45 days of community was, service. Oh, it was, uh, Holding a stop slow sign outside of school, you know, to slow down traffic, perhaps um, painting over some graffiti or you know, picking up rubbish in a park. Palestinian life is so cheap, 45 days. It just shows that they can do whatever they please and they'll continue to do that. So Monday we had the, the launch of a joint statement between the Australia Jewish Democratic Society, um, AJDS, and APAN, the Australia Palestine Advocacy Network. We've spent the best part of six months working on an anti-Semitism statement and calling out anti-Semitism oh. for what it is. But also, we're speaking out against the weaponization of anti-Semitism. And as we know, anti-Semitism is such a slur and a stain on somebody's reputation when they do get it. Anti-Semitism is unacceptable when we don't accept it. But we also don't accept the false accusation of anti-Semitism. So it's very important that not, anti-Semitism not be used to silence debate and or legitimate criticism of the state of Israel and its policies. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't cheapen anti-Semitism either. I mean, anti-Semitism has no place in society. Okay. The way that they're just making, they're opening the doors to make it almost anything to do with, with Israel uh, is, is, a, uh, is, is a shame to do it for the legitimate anti-Semitism complaints. First up, my presentation. Uh, thanks so much, Geordie, and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us, as uh, Geordie just said, and thank you for my co-panelists for, for giving up some time today. Um, in the first instance, I want to speak to how we got here. And uh, when I say we, I mean we as the Australia-Palestine Advocacy Network. Um, APAN, we were doing a number of uh, fact sheets on Palestine, and of course, anti-Semitism was one of them. Uh, and we noticed, and it's a, a very uh, metric measurement of the increase in the accusations of anti-Semitism were increasing against us and our allies. Um, and the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, the IHRA, was being pushed throughout the world and has made its way to Australia now um, as a paragon of information on anti-Semitism. That's really important and something that we stress. This document was never supposed to be a public policy document. In fact, so concerned was the author, Kenneth Stern, that um, how the document was being used to weaponize, to stifle and demonize any criticism of Israel that he published an article titled, uh, I drafted the definition of anti-Semitism and right-wing Jews are weaponizing it. Now the team's gonna share a link to that in the Guardian, I uh, commend it to each of you. I'm proud to say that the process that got us to this statement was not easy, it wasn't quick. It took six months in fact, and there were very many conversations and learning experiences, but I'm so very proud of the statement and everyone's collective efforts in getting us to this point. Um, on behalf of the uh, APAN and myself, I really want to thank the Australian Jewish Democratic Society for allowing us to partner with you. 
you've taken a very principled stand and a just position on this very important issue. So thank you guys so very, very much. Um, APAN comes to this from, from two angles. Firstly, we believe in the liberation of everyone. And so we understand the need to oppose all forms of discrimination, including anti-Semitism. It's a moral imperative for us to stand against it with our Jewish friends and for our solidarity not to waver. Today, accusations of anti-Semitism are being weaponized against us at APAN and against many people in our movement. This isn't just affecting our supporters, it's affecting our political allies as well. One of the realities as a Palestinian is I come to this question from a position of cognitive dissonance. Because as a Palestinian, not all Jewish people are our oppressors. But in Palestine, our oppressors are Jewish. Speaking out against anti-Semitism is simple. It's binary. But it's a little bit more nuanced and complicated for, for Palestinians. Not because we don't care. I mean, we're, we're human and we understand the, the challenge. Rather, it's Israeli politics, it's the politics of the United States, it's the politics of here in Australia. As Palestinians, we're constantly being asked, demanded of us to understand and be sympathetic to the trauma of our oppressors when generally little or none is afforded to us. The late French scholar Pierre Bordeaux once said that the tragedy of the Palestinians is that the oppressors of the Palestinians were victims of Europe which led him to call the Palestinians the victims of the victims. And the tragic question, as he put it, was how to choose between the victims of racist violence par excellence, the Nazis, and the victims of these victims, the Palestinians. The answer, of course, should be simple. Namely, that we should stand, everyone should stand with the Jews as victims of European anti-Semitic violence, and then necessarily stand with Palestinians as victims of Jewish racist violence. There is no choice to be made between the two. The first position must necessarily lead to the second. Sadly, many people find this uh, a difficult position to grasp. The great thing about tonight, and I'm so very proud and happy, is that we're opening up space and we need to create more of these spaces and fertilize them where we can show that the battle for justice for Palestinians is the same side of the coin as the battle against anti-Semitism. It's imperative that as supporters of justice for Palestine, that we listen and learn from our Jewish sisters and brothers as they listen and learn with us. As advocates for justice, we need to be speaking together. Our Jewish sisters and brothers, as well as our non-Jewish sisters and brothers must unite in condemning, condemning anti-Semitism and of course, the weaponization of it. We need to be clear that whilst anti-Semitism is a threat to Jews everywhere, it's a threat to us all. Anti-Semites don't just hate Jews, they hate the idea of a multiracial democracy. They hate the idea of political equality. They hate immigrants, people of color, LGBTQI people, women, anyone who stands in the way of a white only Australia, Europe, Germany, etc. Importantly, it, we need to make it clear that it is not inherently anti-Semitic to criticize the policies of the Israeli government as we criticize other governments, Australia, United States, United Kingdom. Anti-Semitism, whether it's a, a crass caricature, blood libels, or, or, or some sort of uh, concept of some omnipotent Jewish power must be challenged and rebuked entirely by anyone supporting Palestine or Palestinian rights. 
we cannot allow vile dehumanising narratives to exist within our narrative, within our movement. There can be no space for these beliefs or anyone supporting them. And as leaders within our um, movements, it's our responsibility uh, uh, to call it out and to provide clear advice on, on and call out the, that bad behaviour. Now, the reality is anti-Semitism isn't the biggest issue in our movement. It exists, but we need to call it out. Just like if we have sexism or homophobia, we've got to call it out. And as a straight Palestinian male, it's my job to call out sexism, homophobia and anti-Semitism, as I'd expect and know that my white friends will call out racism and Islamophobia. Um, as representative bodies, it's incumbent upon us to, say, to create and ensure that there are safe spaces available for constructive conversations to be had. These necessary conversations have got to be held without the fear or the shadow of the slur of anti-Semitism being thrown upon, upon them in any way. Recently, you know, only last year, we had a, a very powerful demonstration of the pain and damage that the smear of anti-Semitism can cause. In our most recent federal election, Ms Elizabeth Park stood for the seat of Curtin in Western Australia. And she was smeared by the Murdoch press and ultimately withdrew her candidacy. To her credit, to her great credit, Ms Park did not take this uh, lying down. This heinous smear did not go unchallenged by her. And she issued a defamation action against the offending papers, Colin Rubenstein and David Sharma. Faced with the action, both the Murdoch papers offered unqualified apologies and even uh, an op-ed. As I understand it, uh, Melissa is continuing with court action against Dr. Rubenstein and, and, and uh, David Sharma. No one knows the reality of the, and can quantify the damage of um, the damage to Melissa Park's reputation and future uh, employment opportunities. One thing we know for certain is it can't have helped. Over the weekend, uh, we got some news from the United Kingdom, the Palestine Return Centre, which is a London-based advocacy group campaign, which campaigns for the return of Palestinian refugees expelled since 1948. Um, they had a, a great win against the, the Mail on Sunday, a newspaper there. They were in an out-of-court settlement they got over $60,000 in liable damages and all their legal fees paid in excess of $200,000. So a, a remarkable victory and a vindication that supporting the Palestinians is not anti-Semitic. I, I wanna share a personal story and I wasn't sure if I would, but I think it's important to just give some context. I'm a member of a worldwide professional network and my membership was called into question over some remarks I made as a speaker at a rally. The organisation ran through a very thorough and exhaustive process, which ultimately vindicated me. But I'm left wondering if my standing within that community is not diminished somewhat, and how that process might have ended up if my reputation and my good standing in that community wasn't where it was. The reality of that slur, the accusation, the subsequent process, it takes a vast amount of energy. The accusation in and of itself makes me the problem. There's no questioning of the motivation of my accuser. I'm the outcast, I'm the troublemaker, I'm the whistleblower. The reality is the Israel lobby or the Zionist lobby is not omnipotent. Like the fossil fuel lobby, they're just well-funded resourced, the professional lobby group. The overwhelming majority of Australians would like to live in an Australia that was powered by clean energy. 
Yet, despite, despite a clear majority of Australians wanting to head that way, our politicians approve coal mines and, and any number of fossil fuel initiatives. The same is true for Palestine. Despite demonstrable evidence that the majority of Australians support the immediate recognition of Palestine as a state the, and, and our voting pattern at the UN, there is a stark contrast between where the electorate sits and where our politicians sit. To say so does not make us anti-Semitic. Anti it's a clear statement of fact and rather speaks to the efficacy of this lobby group. As a lobby group, APAN has a job to ensure that our politicians are clear on what is, what is and what is not acceptable public discourse and create the space to ensure robust conversations are had and are being had to ensure that, and, and in that space, there is no fear of self-censorship or a fear of reprisal or reputational damage. And I'd just like to close on this. We must not let this lobby group delegitimize our solidarity or that of the growing Palestinian solidarity activism around the world. We must absolutely reject it. Tonight serves as a reminder of the intersectionality of our struggles, our commitment to fighting anti-Semitism and our resolve for justice for the Palestinians. The Palestine we are working towards is one that is inclusive, anti-racist, it's built on justice and freedom and equality for all. Okay, that was Nasser. Thank you very much, Nasser. That was brilliant. Next, we've got Dr. Geordie Silverstein, who is a historian and writer and a member of the Committee of the Australian Jewish Democratic Society, also known as the AJDS. Her research focuses on Australian refugee policy and Jewish history and Holocaust memory. Geordie's PhD research is published in the book of Anxious Histories. Enjoy it. Thank you so much for that perfect introduction to what we want to talk about. So yes, like, yeah, you know, like you, it's, I feel like it's so amazing that we were able to do this statement together. And I think, like you said, this, the fact that it was a lengthy process with a lot of back and forward um, is really important and is really significant for how much we worked hard to refine what to say and how to say it, um, what the precise points were and, and what the best ways of saying those points um, were. And I also just want to give a, a quick big shout out to Sheila and Yael and Jess from the two groups who really did so much of that work of bringing the two groups together um, and of making sure, making, making statement possible. Um, which kind of speaks to the way that this is work that's incumbent upon each of us as individuals and also us as groups. And it's that interplay between the work that we can each do and, and what we can all do together um, that makes this kind of statement and this kind of um, anti-racist work um, possible. Because fundamentally it was important for AJDS and it is always important for us to both speak up about the existence of anti-Semitism and to make clear that while we need to be taking anti-Semitism seriously and that this often doesn't happen, we need to also be really clear about speaking out when accusations of anti-Semitism are being weaponized to shut down really valid and important and necessary criticism of Israel and its government. There are just so many examples of anti-Semitism, right? From the everyday graffiti that we see and increasingly see around the swastikas, the stickers, cartoons in newspapers, the messages dobbed onto walls, the growth of conspiracy theories, and, and that's a really particular, particularly large problem at the moment, this growth of conspiracy theories and the ways in which they're highly anti-Semitic and launder anti-Semitism, and that that's often not talked about. 
and we need to combat that and we really need to have more of those conversations in public space in and in spaces on the left about what anti-semitism is and how to combat it but we also at the same time and in the same we need to be able to say that criticizing Israel and criticizing the Israeli government is not inherently anti-Semitic. It is not anti-Semitic as such to say, to, to criticize the violence that, that is wrought by that government. Um, it's not anti-Semitic to speak truthfully about the violence which Israel does or to recognize the ways that different settler colonial governments around the world work with Israel to ensure that it continues to enact violence against Palestinians. We need to criticise Israel, as Nasser said, as we would any other such state. We can't exceptionalise Israel. We have to be able to criticise it. We also need to be able to call, call it out and, and to speak truthfully when people in their, pro, in their Palestine solidarity work are anti-Semitic. And that's what's really important. And, and we're not saying that that doesn't exist. And the statement is not in any way attempting to suggest that you know, there, there is no criticism of Israel ever that is, that is anti-Semitic. Um, we are very painfully aware um, that that can happen and that, that um, at times. So we need to be able to speak to that. And this, what we hope is that this statement gives us the grounding, gives us the confidence to be able to identify when anti-Semitism is occurring and when it's not, and when claims of anti-Semitism are being weaponized in order to shut down criticism um, of Israel. These things are really hard to talk about, um, I think. And, you know, it's, it feels a bit awkward to even say this, but at times, you know, we're wary of taking up this space. We're wary of even saying, you know, that, that this is part of the conversation. I think there's something really important in, you know, in, in our Palestine solidarity work and saying, we need to talk about Palestinians. We need to centre Palestinians. That's not, you know, Jews need to take a back seat. We need to follow the leadership of Palestinians. And I think, you know, that's, that's so important for us to do. And I think that's why these kinds of statements are kind of hard and do take time to put together because we're not claiming, you know, we don't want to take up space that we don't need to. And... You know, as I was thinking about how to phrase this point for you all tonight, I was also thinking, oh, this, this might get people's back up a little bit and it might sound a bit wrong of like, you know, we don't want to take up the space. But so it's, a, it's this awkwardness that I think we have to name and we have to put on the table as an awkwardness. Um, but also, you know, this point that Nasa made of, of these things go together. We can't be actually pro-Palestinian, we can't be, not all, you know, this language of pro-Palestinian is weird and it's a, it's a weird shorthand, but we can't, you know, fight for Palestinian justice without also fighting against racism in general and racism as such. And so we offer this statement in that spirit, not in the, not in the intention of taking up unwanted space or unnecessary space, but in the hope that, that we can work together to build something better. So, we, you know, we want to really point out that the purpose and effect of um, accusations, these kind of weaponized accusations of anti-Semitism, is that it chills what's possible to speak in public space, that it makes it, you know, harder to, to, to criticise um, Israel um, in these ways that are so necessary and important to do. And that's why we, want, we wanted to put out this statement. 
So the statement says in part, you know, it describes what um, anti-Semitism kind of broadly is. You know, we say it's an animosity and prejudice or discrimination against Jewish people, history, religion and culture. That is a complex form of oppression with deep historical roots. And that it works with and alongside other forms of racism, xenophobia and colonisation. So we see fighting against anti-Semitism and properly understanding what is anti-Semitism and what is claims of anti-Semitism being weaponized and fighting along Palestinians for justice as part of a broader fight for racial justice. So we need to understand all of these things as intersecting and they all need to be fought together, we think. And the statement goes on and we say, we write this statement in the spirit of developing a world where equality and freedom flourishes for all. We cannot be selective in our support for people's freedom. A commitment to justice, dignity and equality for Israelis and Palestinians, indeed for all people, is paramount. So it's important that Jews and Palestinians and others do this work together. Coalitional work is important. It's really the only way to do this work. We're really pleased and proud that we could do this work with APAN, you know, and that we've had, got this long relationship with APAN and that we'll continue to do this um, for a long time into the future. This is a statement that couldn't have been put out by just Jews or just Palestinians. It's necessarily something that we um, came together on and we're really pleased that we, we were able to come together for this. We do this together, that we do this together is important in reinforcing both that we stand against anti-Semitism, that we stand against accusations of anti-Semitism being weaponized, and that we stand in solidarity with Palestinians in fighting for justice for Palestine, for Palestinians and for all people. But I think importantly, what this statement works towards and, and what this kind of spirit around it works towards, reminding us is that we need to be bold in our criticisms of what's being done in Israel. We need to be bold in our criticisms of the problems with Zionism and its history and its present day incarnations, and that we can model how to do that in ways which aren't anti-Semitic. That's really important. So we have, as Jews, you know, we have a particular role to play um, in relationship to this, to this issue and, and in relationship to these fights. We can speak in particular ways, we can communi communicate with particular communities um, in ways which, um, yeah, which, which uh, have something particular to say. We have, we have modes um, of interaction that are really important um, to be drawn on. And so that's, you know, a really big reason why we want to be part of this. So, you know, like now, so I think, you know, these, these descriptions of what weaponized anti-Semitism looks like are really important to share. And, and, you know, as one example for me, one professional example for me, I'm a historian, I work at universities and at a university, I gave a lecture to big first year subject and talked about um, history of Israel-Palestine. And after that lecture, um, some students wrote to the, um, the to the, uh, main lecture, the coordinator of the subject, and that eventually, you know, had to move up to the head of our discipline, the head of the department. And the students complained and, and said that I was too pro-Palestinian, that I gave too much of a Palestinian story. Quite luckily, you know, I had a very supportive department and I had good standing and, and everybody uh, supported me and, and it wasn't a professional issue. But as Nessa said, you know, you, you never know and you never know how much this create a situation where people think of you as a problem, people decide not to have you back, people, you know, question um, you and, you know, how much then other people go on to talk. These are the kinds of things that you just um, never know. 
so I think, you know, these, these are the kinds of ways in which it can be weaponized. Um, and then there are all the activist examples, the sidelining, the ways in which, you know, the work that, that AJDS or the other organisations or that other individual people do is sidelined within our community because of fears of anti-Semitism or of being labelled anti-Semitic. So the weaponizing of these claims does work in trying to force Jews not to work alongside Palestinians. And so we really need to oppose it. We need to remember that there are long traditions of Jews opposing a nation state model of any kind as a mode of self-determination, that a Jewish opposition to uh, what Israel does and to Zionism and to thinking creatively about what Jewish community means is um, part of the Jewish tradition. So I'll just end by you know, saying that for AJDS and, and for those who work with us, we have really important work to do and we need and want to do this in coalition in creating new visions for what a future based on justice and true self-determination could look like for Jews and Palestinians and others. We need to be bold and we need to be courageous together. And we're really pleased to be part of this tonight and to be part of this work with you all. That was the brilliant Dr. Geordie Silverstein, the Australia Jewish Democratic Society, speaking at Monday's joint launch of an anti-Semitism statement between the Australian Jewish Democratic Society and the Australia Palestine Advocacy Network. You can see that vision at either AJDS's Facebook page or APAN's Facebook page, followed by something like an hour worth of question and answer time. Don't forget, it's still June. We still need your support. Go to 3cr.org.au. Donate, sponsor, we need your support to keep 3CR on air and to keep shows like Palestine Remembered on air. 3cr.org.au, donate, support the station and remember, free Palestine.